does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Here in the DriveHuber.com studios for the Fan Midday Show with James Boy, Nettie Garrison, I am Jimmy Cook. Plenty of draft reaction throughout the day, and we lead it off with the legend himself, Eddie White, host of the world's greatest post-game show, right here on these very airwaves on the fan. Eddie, I want to lead off with this. You tweeted over the course of the draft. I kept panning over to those war rooms and uh, far more suits across the board than the Miami days with Coach Shule, eh? Oh, my God. You mean, the game has changed so much. The league has changed so much. I mean, when I was with the Dolphins, those are the days when you dra- the draft was all in one day, and you went all night. You know, there's a zillion rounds, and I can remember drafting on midnight. And, you know, we had the big the catered food come in, and it was just really in the, in the room. It was the scouts. And our, I don't even think our owner, Joe Robbie, came in the room um, because I, he didn't have a great relationship with Coach Shula. But it was like Shula, his scouts, his assistant coaches, you know, the media were in another room. And this is, you know, before ESPN. And, you know, so, like, guys didn't know who we picked. Shula walked out and said, hey, uh, this is who we took in the fourth round and gave a little blurb about it, answered a few questions, and went back. And uh, it just hit me the other night watching these rooms. It's like it looked like there was 200 or 100 people in the room. Uh, they're all in black suits. And, again, I think I tweeted, it looked like it was a national convention of funeral directors. I mean, it's like, <laughs> what are these people doing in here? I mean, I mean, I hope you're not taking a vote and said it's 87 to 83. We're going to take the DB from Alcorn State. I mean, listen, one guy's making the call at the end of the day on intel that has been, you know, taken over the last year. Uh, and, you know, but, but I get it. Maybe it's sponsored and family members and all this stuff, but uh, it's amazing that w- what they have blown that draft up to. I mean, again, then when I went to Reebok, we, you know, we'd have the draft in New York, and you'd go to Radio City, and and uh, again, it was one day, and you, you do the draft, and, and boom, you move on. And now it's going all over the country, three-day affair. It's uh, it's incredible. So, Eddie, James Boyd here with The Athletic. Yeah. Um, long time yeah, we, miss you. we miss you in our media room at the, the Pacers. I always love seeing you, my friend. Good luck to you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I miss you all too. Obviously, it was a uh, it was a fun season for you all over there. But yeah. um, over here, I guess in Coastland now, what is your take on Anthony Richardson and him being brought in? Inexperience, super dynamic, boom bus. What, what are you thinking? Well, as Des, again, the first, the great Don Shula, who still remains the winningest coach uh, in the history of the National Football League, <laughs> yes. used to say when he would walk out to do his press conference the day after the draft, and the guy from Gary Shelton or somebody from the Miami Herald or Miami News would go, Don, we're giving you a B for your draft. And Shula would look at him and go, listen, if you really knew what the hell you were talking about, you'd have my job. <laughs> he goes, I laugh at these grades. He goes, we, and we all know this. But we still give the grades. Mm-hmm. We're not going to know if this was a great pick for three years. We won't know. And, and you know, everybody's – I love it. Everybody – and every and they're right. Every market, we do it with the Pacers. They do it with the Dolphins. You say, hey, we're happy with our picks. We're happy with our draft. Well, mm-hmm. sure you are because this is who you – all your intel said, this is the guy that you want to have. But we won't know for three years. And, you know, and football has changed. I mean, as weird as it sounds, 
uh, you know, 10 years ago, uh, I, I would have prescribed to what Gil Brandt, the great cowboy guru who drafted every cowboy from Staubach to Aikman, uh, always said that the number one quality in a quarterback, it's not his height. It's not his mobility. It's really not even his intellect. I mean, people, I think, get caught up in the Wonderlick test. I mean, there's been some guys who didn't score well on the Wonderlick test who are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, the number one quality that you need is accuracy. Mm-hmm. And number two is accuracy. You have to be able to throw from A to B in the wind, in the snow, in the rain. When you're under fire, you have to be able to do that. Now, and because football has changed and the way defenses have changed, offenses have changed, accuracy obviously still very important, but not as important as it was 10 years ago. And that's football people saying that. It's not me. I've always said I know nothing about football. I just know a lot of people who know something about football. Uh, this kid is obviously is going to be a work in, in progress. He's, he, now, the thing that I'm, you're, you're going to see is that this young coach, who I like, uh, is a protege you know, brought into the league by Norv Turner. Norv Turner was the guy that Troy Aikman uh, w- was devoted to in Dallas. In fact, when Aikman got inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, who did he have inducted him? Not Jerry Jones, not Jimmy Johnson. It was Norv Turner. What Norv Turner did is he threw Aikman into the fire. If you remember his rookie year, I think they went 3-13. and 13. He got sacked like 700 times, got destroyed. And Aikman said the most learning he ever got in football was his rookie year in Dallas when he lost 13 games. So I think you're going to see this guy thrown into the fire a lot earlier than maybe people think, and that's the only way you get better. Eddie, what parallels do you see for Colts fans and, and Pacers fans alike looking at the type of season the Pacers just went through with a young group that you were hoping to see strides for week in and week out? And I would argue that we saw that from the Pacers this year. Colts fans likely have similar expectations in terms of how they judge this rookie class, no? Oh, I agree. I mean, I didn't think anybody thought we were going to win the NBA championship at the beginning of last year, and I don't think anybody thinks the Colts are going to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of, of this season. Uh, it's it, it, it's youth. It's work in progress. You hope to get better. You're looking for growth. Uh, you're looking to fill in some spots. I mean, you, I mean, if you were going all in this year, if, if, if a Colts fan would say, well, I think we're going to win the Super Bowl. Well, if you really wanted to believe that, did you go get that kid in with the Ravens, who the Ravens signed, or you go trade for some veteran QB, and you go all in and say, okay, we're going to win this year. They're not doing that. They're going to build just like Kevin Pritchard did. Uh, and, and Chad Buchanan here, and incidentally, Chad Buchanan and, and Boward kind of live in the same neighborhood, so they probably compare notes. But I think they're going down the right path. You're getting young kids in here. Let them grow. Let them see what they can do. Uh, the expectation shouldn't be that great. But you know what? Here's the, here's the biggest difference. In the NFL, all, you know, in our league, you know, we, we got we to gotta finish in the top. Now it's top ten. And then when you get in, you got to beat somebody best of seven. And then you got to beat somebody else best of seven. Okay, that's a, that's a chore, okay? In the NFL, this is why sometimes owners, thankfully we don't have that here in Indianapolis, sometimes owners get, they get too itchy, you know? There's, there's been too many times that you've seen a guy come in and flip it, a coach, and really go from like, you know, a zero to a hundred in one season. And you know why? At the end of the day, this season coming up, I know they play 17 games now, the Colts only have to beat three teams. You win your division. You go 9-8. and eight. Guess what they do? 
They give you a hat. They give you a T-shirt. They call you a division <laughs> champion. And guess what? You got a ticket to the dance. And then you get lucky and you win one. You know, we used to do that with, with, with marvelous uh, uh, consistency. Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning, they would they would whimper through the regular season. Remember, nine and seven, eight and eight, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Barely get in the postseason. And what do they do? Flip the switch. Boom, Super Bowl, boom, Super Bowl, two-time Super Bowl champions, Tom Coughlin, Eli Manning. So you get in, the dance, and all you got to do is beat three teams. So am I saying is it easier in the NFL than the NBA? Yeah, it is. But you still got to beat those three teams. Unfortunately for the Colts, the other three teams in the division, you know, as Lou Holtz said, they give scholarships too. Okay, <laughs> they're trying to win also. So it, it, it's going to be. I think it's going to be an exciting season for Indianapolis and that division, and of course for the league overall. So Eddie, let, let me ask you this: I got the yeah. impression from having a little Pacers Colts crossover, but Benedict Matherin, when he was drafted, he was supremely confident. He was someone who it was borderline almost arrogance. It was like, who is this kid? Why is he so confident? Why does he think he can be this good? And and, and I think that that fuels him and, and it makes him, you know, a part of who he is. I think Anthony Richardson had a little bit of that, you know, same kind of makeup where it's like I hear the people who criticize my game or have, you know, uh, uh, you know, critiques of what I can do. And there's also that defiance, I'm going to be great uh, mentality. And, and how do you think that can inject um, some energy and just some passion or, or maybe just some belief into a franchise that's, uh, you know, I guess on similar timelines as far as, you know, finding new franchise pieces? I think it's imperative. I, you know, I try to tell my son this. Um, th- there is a fine line, I guess, between uh, being confident and being cocky. Uh, and maybe that line is, is, you know, I don't even know the definition of fine. I mean, you know, what, what does that mean, fine line? What the hell? Um, <laughs> but, but the important thing is you want, listen, James, you go to the athletic, okay? You were at the Indy Star. you got to walk to the athletic going, I am, if not the best, I'm one of the best writers covering the National Football League. If you don't believe that, you shouldn't have that freaking gig. Uh, Captain Cook, my guy there, you have to believe, you know what, I am, I know right now I am, and I'm going to even get better, be one of the best radio guys they've ever had in Indianapolis. You have to believe that. When I was with the Dolphins, Danny Marino believed he was the best quarterback in football. I mean, you have to believe it. Now, you know, uh, besides your mother and your father, who also (laughs) believe that, there may be thousands of people that go, no, you're not the best writer at The Athletic, or Eddie, you're not the best sports PR guy in the world, or no, you're not. That's fine. That's the noise. That's the outside. But in my locker room, in my newsroom, in my studio, I believe I'm the best, and i got to get the people around me, my producer, you know, my other people, my, 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 my contacts if I'm a mm-hmm. writer, to believe that I'm the best. And that's whether it's Benedict Matherin or it's a young QB with the Colts, Richardson, they have to believe that. Now, it's tough when you come in, you haven't done anything yet, you don't have a body of work. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Benedict, you know, of course, he, he kind of uh, poked LeBron uh, <laughs> way back in the day, kind of opened it up for the guy from Memphis to kind of finish the deal. Uh, but you have to have that, and then you and then Again, now it's working on the craft. It's working to get better as a player, working to get better as a leader, and whatever. But yes, you you cannot walk in going, you know, I'm just, you know, listen. I spent a lot of years uh, with some great coaches, you know, Coach Shula, and, and when I was at Reebok, work with Belichick and those other guys. But there were, the guy who was the maestro at knowing how to spin things, it was Lou Holtz. 
Lou Holtz would walk into that locker room at Notre Dame, and he would have those guys totally convinced that they were the best team in football. And again, Lou Holtz is still he's the last coach to ever lead, lead Notre Dame to a national championship, which is hard to believe. But then he'd go out to the media and Coach Holtz would walk in, 7-1 and one Notre Dame, get ready to play 1-7 and seven Air Force. And what would Lou Holtz say? i tell you what, Air Force is the best 1-7 and seven football team in the country. We'll be lucky to beat Air Force. i tell you, we got to play all the way out there. He would make it look like we're, oh, my, we have no chance to beat Air Force. But in that locker room, he built the confidence internally. It was his way to do it under the table, where nowadays kind of guys want to do it over the table, but to, you know, to try to shorten it up because I get going. Uh, yes, you, you need that confidence, and I love the fact that I have a young quarterback saying, you know, I love what he said in the press conference. He talked about confidence, but he also talked about getting to work. And the other thing mm-hmm. is, I t- we, we had the fever uh, opening day the other day, and we talked to the kids, and reminded them that, you know, I can remember coming to the office here at 8 o'clock, 8.30, you know, 10 years ago, and when we walk in the entry pavilion, look over the gym down in the bottom, and I'd see this one lone ball, basketball, going in the air. It was an hour and a half before fever practice. And I'd go downstairs, open the door, and it was always the same person in there shooting. It was Tamika Ketchings. Now, be, me being goofy, I'd say, T, you got the gig. You know, you made the team. You're good, you know. <laughs> it just showed the greatness of her was always working hard, putting in the extra time. If the QB does that and Benedict Matherin does that, we're going to have two more superstars in the city, just like Tamika Ketchings. Eddie White with us, Pacers Overtime host, the world's greatest postgame show, Pacers.com. You can follow him on Twitter at EddieWhite3. Eddie, maybe I'm overblowing this a little bit, but in a day of social media dominating left and right, it always impresses me when secrets are kept, are kept close to the chest. What goes into that on, on the PR, on the front office side? Because I still couldn't believe, even up until moments before the pick was made, the Colts had kept it a secret they were going to take Anthony Richardson at four. Well, I, I always – and James, you you, probably, you lived this this year. Yeah. I always laugh because, I, I again, I've been going to every combine since the first two. Because uh, I moved here from Miami when uh, I think the year the second or third combine, and I've seen that grow, and you know, so I've been there. I, I love combine week. I love when the Pacers are home because a lot of those guys want to come to see us play. But you go over and you're at prime forty seven and da 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 da. And I just joke, having been a PR guy uh, for an NFL team, it's I, it's the greatest game of liars poker ever. No one tells you the truth. I, I used to joke when Gil Brandt say, "Hey, we're we're gonna, we're going to go to St. Elmo's." I go, "You tell the truth, or you're really." going to IRAs. Come on, tell me the truth. Because no one tells the truth. Not, not, and I love when a guy says, well, I was talking to a guy from the Titans, and they really like, I, I stop him. I go, let me ask you a question. Do you really think, whoever that person was, that usually it's not the head guy, it's usually the assistant GM trying to score points with a Schefter or some insider. That's how that, that, that stuff works. Uh, I almost said a bad word there. Um, but it's like they lie. Everybody yeah. lies. And, and you want deflection. You want somebody to think that you're looking at A when you're really looking at D because they're going to think, well, he's lying to me about A, so he's really looking at B. All the while, I'm looking at D. So it, it, the lying goes on left and right, and, and uh, it, it doesn't, you know, Bill Pauly was great at that. Remember when he took Edger and James? Where'd that come from? I mean, it's like you just lie, you deflect, it happens all the time, and, and sometimes you're able to pull it out, and again, sometimes you got to have a locked up uh, front office, and usually you don't tell too many people. I mean, you're not, you're, you know what, I, I wouldn't even tell the PR guy. In fact, I wouldn't want to know. I would not want to know 
where we're going because God forbid it came out. I don't need them going. I saw you having lunch with uh, with James at the Athletic uh, at the Prime Forty Seven. Did you tell them we were looking at? No, 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 no. I don't want to. No, but I, I am. I'm not surprised that they they would have pulled off. I mean, they know what they're doing over there. No, I'm not surprised. Eddie wants a uh, diplomatic immunity from from anything that comes back on him. <laughs> Eddie, absolutely. Pre- I'm not getting shot. I don't want to be like James Connaughton. <laughs> You're too smart no for that. Way. <laughs> Eddie, thank you for making time for us today, sir. Always appreciate catching up. Hey, next time I come out, I'll tell you my uh, Eli Manning, Terry Hepner, Brothersburger story oh. for the draft back in the day. We'll get that one. That, that's a little, we call it a teaser. You always leave me wanting more. <laughs> All right. You got it, brother. Hey, good luck to you guys. All right, thanks, thanks, Eddie. That's Eddie White, Pacers Overtime host of Pacers Sports and Entertainment. You can follow him on Twitter at Eddie White 3 Always good to get his perspective and in general, just the amount of across all sports he's seen, he's been a part of. Always nice to get his take on things. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. It is the Fan Midday Show, 93.5107.5. The Fan, not every day you get an opportunity to talk with a draft analyst, nay, someone that covers sports that has Greek ethos around him. <laughs> but we get that today with Thor Nystrom. He is back with us here on The Fan, NFL Draft and College Football Analyst for Fantasy Pros. Thor, you had an opportunity just a couple days ago to give out those draft grades for the AFC Colts got an A-plus from you. I want to dive into that in a second, but you were one of the analysts that we had on who felt like Anthony Richardson was the right play with where the Colts made their selection at four, not trading up to stay and put. When you look at the selection they made and ultimately Will Levis ending up in division, where where do you feel about that storyline with Anthony Richardson going four and Will Levis going to the south in the second round? Yeah, I was going to say, I know why you boys are happy today. Uh, I mean, just just a dominant draft for the Colts. And for anyone out there that, that doesn't know my draft grades, I grade on a curve. So I only give out a couple A-pluses every year. I also give out two Fs, two D-minuses, two Ds. So to get an A-plus on my list, you got to be at the very top of the NFL. And the Colts were during this process. They made the correct decision with Anthony Richardson. Objectively, much higher ceiling than Will Levis. And I think sneakily might have a higher floor as well we can definitely get into that. But the the concerns the NFL ended up having with Levis were the same concerns that I had all processed. So it wasn't terribly uh, uh, surprising to me that he fell into the second round. Thor, James Boyd here with The Athletic. Um, I was a bit shocked to see the A-plus. You know, a lot of... uh I don't know, maybe I was in this bubble of just you know, uncertainty. <laughs> a lot of fans telling me, what is Chris Bauer going to do? Is he going to ruin this or is he not? But um, getting into, I guess, 
beyond Anthony Richardson, what picks really stood out to you? I know we've talked about it on my side, but who are some players where you're like, okay, that makes sense for them there? Yeah, I mean, almost every single one with the Colts. It's almost like they were drafting off of my board. I really liked the Julius <laughs> Brands pick. The, the Josh Downs pick was great value. So was Freeland. My favorite pick, though, was Adeboare in, in the fourth round. Physical packages like that never slip out at day two. They rarely slip out at day one. To get that kid in round four, the NFL has mitigated your risk for you. You now mm. have this enormous dice roll on this kid, and, and you get all the benefit of his upside if he gets there. But again, all the risk was mitigated for you. I, I, I just don't understand why that kid fell that far. When you look at Josh Downs, you mentioned in your analysis, this on Fantasy Pros, that you feel like he can start immediately in the slot. Is that based on schematically what he'll be asked to do within Shane Steichen, or is it based on how he profiles to pick up an NFL offense? Both. Yeah. I mean, he, he's one of, you know, th- this wasn't a very good receiver class, but if, if you're just looking at the guys who can come in and play immediately, he's one of the most pro ready guys. He was getting pounded with targets each of the last couple of years. And he could, the efficiency with that kid converting those into catches, regardless of, you know, I mean, like he creates separation for sure, but like, he's really good at catching the ball in traffic for, for a smaller player. that's what really stood out about him. And again, UNC just pounded that kid with targets. A couple years ago, UNC had really good skill talent, but that all left. And so it was mostly just Josh Downs, and they used him. And and so he was put into some disadvantageous situations where, again, they were just forcing targets to him. And he consistently converted those into catches and then yards. So, yeah, I I think he's going to play right away, and I think he's going to be a good starting slot in the NFL. So, Thor, you touched on a little bit um, briefly, but and I had the same thought. What makes Anthony Richardson's floor higher than others might think? It's it's two things. First of all, like everybody knows the athletic profile, which is going to convert into the, the running utility. Um, check out the LSU tape from this past season, the 80-yard touchdown where he got up to like 22 miles per hour on the GPS or something like that. Uh, you, you have all that different stuff, but the – the other thing that I didn't think he got enough credit for during the process was his pocket presence. And that's the big difference between him and Levis. Like Levis, he would panic under pressure, and he didn't sense the pressure until it got to the gate. Sometimes he didn't sense it until the whistle had blown. He was looking up at the ceiling. Anthony Richardson has a really good feel for that. Not only that, he doesn't panic under pressure. And the reason for that is because he's the nastiest athlete to ever enter the NFL at quarterback. So he'll let the, the free rushers get within a couple paces of him because he knows he can just dart either direction suddenly and then just accelerate out of there. And so you see these rushers, they start to approach him very carefully, right? Like like, like a lion has gotten out of the cage at the zoo. Like you have to be very, very careful <laughs> with Anthony Richardson because if, if you over-pursue uh, on him, you, I mean, he, he's just going to run right by you. So th- that thing – and then also I, I thought he was um, criticized too much for the accuracy, pers- the completion percentage. Because if you just switch that to on-target percentage, he shoots up the rankings. You know, like the, the Florida receiving core last year stunk, and Anthony Richardson was learning his fourth different offense for his fourth different offensive coordinator in four years. Also had his fourth different quarterback coach last year. Now those are going to tick up to fifth and fifth this year, but hopefully now he's going to get stability with the Colts. You're going to teach him, and he's going to grow there, and, and, and I think he's got a shot at hitting that ceiling. Uh, get out of here with all that context. And no, I'm joking. <laughs> These are the things I tried to explain, Thor. Thank you for having my back. <laughs> you got it. Thor, for him, 
the one of the biggest detractions outside of the accuracy issues, I'm right there with you in terms of it was a bit overblown throughout the process, is the amount of snaps, the amount of starts, the, the age. When you look at today's NFL, when you look at Shane Steichen's offense and what the Colts have around Anthony Richardson right now, is it a pro and con game of whether or not to start him right away? Yeah, like, you know, I, I heard that they were planning to do that. I, I would have waited a little bit. But, again, like, I, I don't think you're going to emotionally scar that kid by playing him early because usually th- that's what happens with the guys that lack the pocket presence and are already sk- skittish under pressure. That's not Anthony Richardson. So so I don't think you're going to, like, put scars on him. It's just, like, for me, I, I think, like, next year, I, I maybe would have wanted him to learn for just a little bit. But, like, I don't mind the Colts tossing him in early. Like, I, like, do I think he's going to be an NFL standout next year? No, but he's going to give you plenty of flash plays. And if you're, you know, I mean, like, I don't think the Colts are going to be contenders next year, but you're just going to give yourself another good pick that then you're going to pull with him next year, give him another weapon. I, I, like, I, I think it's going to be fine. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Deeper into the draft, or deeper into their process, I beg your pardon, after Anthony Richardson, I know we've talked about already the value that you felt they were able to grab within their third, fourth, and fifth picks, respectively. But pick number two overall for the Colts, their second-round selection of Julius Brents. Where do you have him slotted as in terms of his ability to fill a desperate need for the Colts right away? Yeah, he, he can absolutely play right away. He was right around on my board, right where they, they took him. I think I had him 47th and cornerback seven. He's the longest, you know, it's funny because they, they took the freak in the first round at the quarterback position, then they take another freak here, and obviously they weren't done taking freaks, but Julius Brents has the longest wingspan of any cornerback who has ever measured into the NFL combine. And if, if it was just that, that would be one thing. But he also proved the concept of his athleticism during the process. He had a 9.99 RAS. And he didn't duck a test. His agility scores were ridiculous. He tested well enough as far as the speed goes, and he was explosive with the jumps. So you have all that stuff, and then you look, you start to look at the tape. You go back, you're like, yeah, this kid is more athletic than, than I may have given him credit for right away. He started to open our eyes when we were down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Go back, like if, if there's any practice tape out there from Tuesday, Colts fans might want to go and check that out from the Senior Bowl day one. Julius Brents was erasing people off the face of the earth in, in those one-on-ones. In, and generally in those events, like you guys know, those are heavily tilted towards the offense because you're just leaving a cornerback out on an island. But people couldn't get releases against Julius Brents. Even when they did, when they, did they couldn't shake him. That day, Tank Dell was destroying everybody because his movement and those one-on-one things is literally unfair. But he couldn't get beyond five yards against Julius Brents. Like they were just blowing the whistle because he just wasn't letting him off the line, different stuff like that. So that was a really good pick in in the second round. Like I said, a kid who's going to come in and start immediately. So here's one for you. 
Emo Ikior, I hope I'm saying his last name right, Alabama. He had a fourth, fifth round grade, drops all the way out of the draft. The Colts signed him as an undrafted free agent. I don't know if you have any inside information or just your thoughts. Like, why do you think that he dropped completely out of the draft when everything I've read and, and, and about it, he hasn't had any behavioral issues, a you know, three-year start at Alabama, a premier program, um, and, and still I think would, would have a decent chance of possibly making the Colts' roster the undrafted free agent. I, I totally agree with that, yeah. I mean, like, so I'm looking at my UDFA rankings right now. Uh, Ikior was definitely the, the best uh, guy that the Colts signed. And I agree with you, he should have been drafted. I, I, you know, like, I had a tough time with him because he's sort of an unorthodox player who's, like, in this, like, sawed-off frame, and, and he's mm-hmm. not as, you know, he's not as big as some of these other guards or whatever, but he's very springy, gets on you quick, and he can generate that power through the hips. And in that way, the guy that I ended up comping him to was Nate Davis because it, mm-hmm. it reminded me of a lot of the same thing of, like, that sort of sawed-off frame, but it's like a spring coming forward. And Ikior was really good for Alabama these last couple of years. So, yeah, like generally that, that kind of kid gets drafted. So a surprise he fell out. Thor, you had a C grade for the Houston Texans following their draft. How much, if any of that, went into the selection of Stroud followed by the trade up and then giving up the number one pick next year to go obtain Will Anderson Jr.? Yeah, that that definitely had a part of it. Um, I, I tried to, to grade the picks like in in the value slots that they had. And like – that, but but that trade, yeah, I, I didn't love that just because next year's draft, the top five picks are going to be so valuable, and I expect the Colts, or the, I'm sorry, the Texans not to be very good next year. So I'm not sure that I would have surrendered your first round pick next year. But I, I understood what they were doing with that. My bigger issue with, with the Texans is drafted was what came after that. Like taking Juice Scruggs at 62 when I thought better centers were available a couple rounds later, I, I wasn't sure about that. They did get my boy Tank Dell. But some of the other picks, I, I just wasn't really on board with, with. And a lot of times I don't see the board like the Texans do. So it wasn't a surprise that I disagree with some of their picks. But, yeah, you know, it wasn't a terrible process. And certainly you're infusing a whole bunch of talent with Stroud and Anderson. But giving up that first-round pick next year I think is going to hurt one year, one year from now. Well, I'll just throw out there that I never believed that they weren't going to take a quarterback. So that was <laughs> that was the worst smokescreen ever. But Thor, um, your take on the Tennessee Titans, Will Levis, obviously he dropped in, in kind of a unique situation where you have three of the top four top quarterbacks in this class going to the same division. What did you think of their decision to take a swing on him after he fell out of the first round? Yeah, I mean, like, I, certainly I have the trepidations on Levis, but, I mean, like, at that price point, I'm okay with that because it, it's it's a long bridge and, and maybe even a, a leap of faith to think that you're going to be able to fix that pocket presence thing. It's the one thing I look for in quarterbacks where I identify the bust. It's the reason that I thought Zach Wilson was going to bust. It's the reason that I thought Drew Locke was going to bust. And Will Levis has that peccadillo. If, if you can fix that, yeah, he's going to be really good because he's got the golden right arm. The other thing with him, the mechanical thing, that thing can be fixed. Like, he throws with mechanics when he has his mind on it, but it's just he's too nonchalant there in the pocket. But the problem with that is when you go YOLO every time you have pressure in your face, how are you going to think that you're going to fix those mechanics and, mm-hmm. and, and project that he's not going to start putting the ball up for grabs? when he finally denotes that that pressure is right in his face. So, so that that was with him. But, like, at the 33rd slot at the quarterback position, I'm, I'm okay taking that, that dice roll. I thought they made the correct decision in round one with Skaronsky. I love their third-rounder, Tajay Spears, is one of my favorite players in the draft. With him, it's just, are the knees going to hold up? Because he had the two knee injuries in, in college. 
But if he does, the explosion's going to speak for itself. So I, I thought the Titans overall had a pretty solid draft. Thor Nystrom with us, NFL Draft College Football Analyst for Fantasy Pros. You can follow him on Twitter at ThorKU. Thor, through your Colts draft analysis, they go ahead and address their offensive line needs or offensive depth needs with Brake Freeland out of BYU. In your analysis, we were discussing before we had you on, there's still a need for guard help there for the Colts, but potentially they might be able to have that in-house if Freeland surprises enough when training camp arrives. Yeah, that, you know, like it, it wasn't uh, a criticism at all of the Colts draft because the, the, you know, I love the Colts draft and, and Freeland I thought was a great pick in the slot. But yeah, it, it did bring up that curiosity of like the Colts absolutely needed the the other guard, you know, ne- next to uh, Quentin Johnson. And then you got your offensive line set. So it's interesting that they took Freeland, but in the value slot again, great. And, and the talent dr- dropped off a shelf at tackle right after that. But I'm wondering, like, are they going to kick their right tackle Smith? Is he going to get kicked to, to right guard now? If Freeland comes in and surprises, if you do, like, if that's the case, that is a nasty offensive line, and 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 I'm bullish on Freeland. Like his testing spoke for itself, his play on tape spoke for itself. Obviously, he wasn't playing the top competition that some of these different guys were, but he answered enough questions for me where I ranked him well higher than the Colts drafted him. Thor, last thing on my end. Who do you feel got the best value? I guess non-Colts divisions. I know they got an A+. Who do you think got the best value within this draft? And then in terms of the Super Bowl participants, Eagles felt like knocked out of the park. Kansas City, not so much in your mind. No, I I, I thought, you know, and and generally I like the Chiefs' processes. I don't know what was going on with them this year. Like, they took the the three positions that they needed, but those positions, they, they were reaching for everybody. The, uh, the other teams that I, I really liked were the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I thought they both destroyed the draft process this year, consistently getting the values. Thor, always appreciate your work through this process. I've joked with James. We'll joke with any of our draft analysts we've had on. Get some rest, man. You deserve it. Appreciate all your hard work throughout this <laughs> all time. Good. Thanks, boys. Appreciate you. <laughs> That's Thor Nystrom of Fantasy Pros. Nice enough to take some time with us here on The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Fan Midday Show, drivehuber.com studios. Thanks for hanging with us. Jimmy Cook and James Boyd, Eddie Garrison, guiding us through the afternoon. Our next guest is the radio voice of the Indianapolis Colts. It's one Matt Taylor. Matt, can I interest you in some 2024 mock drafts? Oh please God! Oh, oh my God! It hasn't even—it's been like forty. It's been like forty hours. Okay? Too soon, man. Way too soon on that bad boy. Couldn't help myself. Couldn't help myself. Uh, have you got any sleep yet? Uh yeah, yeah. I mean, a little bit. Uh, I mean, yesterday was a good day to kind of relax and decompress, and then also just kind of 
uh, sift through all the the rubble, if you will, with 12 draft picks for the weekend and then nine on on Saturday. So uh, got um, reacquainted with my family yesterday during the day, and then when the when the dust settled on the day, went back to work and tried to uh, figure out who these guys are in a little bit more detail, find out uh, where they come from, and kind of d- uh, digging into their stories a little bit. But it's, it's fun. I mean, it's the highest uh, amount of, of drafted players for the Colts since uh, 1992, uh, the most they've ever drafted in a seven-round format. So from that standpoint, it's it's fun and, and to be understandable a little bit considering you're coming off a, you know, a 4-12 and 1 season. You know, whenever that happens, you know, I don't know what the right word is, rebuild, reset, whatever. But um, no question the Colts are, uh, you know, putting a lot of young guys in the blender and, and seeing what, uh, you know, what it tastes like coming out the other end. Matt, so I was obviously there uh, throughout draft week. My first time, rookie initiation, it was rough, man. I was thinking, what in God's name do you all do to yourselves? Way to go. <laughs> every every year I was thinking, wow, this is a lot. But um, I've asked other people, you know, this on the beat. What is your sense of just where the Colts are at as far as maybe relief and having a decision be made, not only at quarterback position, but just other picks in? Like things are to the point now where you have what you chose and you can work with it rather than speculate on who's going to trap to number yeah. three, for instance. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, um, you know, what, I think that the biggest thing the Colts, you know, instilled in their fan base um, this past weekend is just some answers and just a level of hope and optimism, mm-hmm. considering the, the carousel the team was on at quarterback. And, and uh, you know, they went bold. They went convicted. And the fact that they stayed at four and drafted a quarterback, but also in the guy that they picked up, right, and Anthony Richardson with his, you know, thin resume coming out of college and, um, you know, just not having a lot of starts under his belt. So the Colts feeling good and convicted about the player, about the person, and just investing, obviously, a lot of their franchise in his development, and we'll see kind of where it goes. But um, also, too, I just think the Colts got a lot better, um, you know, after the draft. I mean, obviously the plan is for Richardson you know, to be the long-term stable answer at quarterback and for him to hopefully grow into a special player. But I think the Colts adding a pair of – potential starters on Friday um, on the defensive side of the ball with Brent, then on the offensive side of the ball with Josh Downs. That's exciting. I think you just needed more top-end players, right? You just needed more top-end difference makers, and I think the Colts did that, especially on Thursday night and, and Friday night. So, um, again, that's that's what I think the Colts have just needed is, is um, you know, more playmakers, especially on offense, right? So quarterback, check. Right, a playmaker in the passing game that fits the Shane Steichen offense and his uh, history of success, and um, you know, working with a guy like Jay, Jalen Hurts, and then Josh Downs, uh, I think can be a starter. I really do. I think he can come in and play. And you know, this is a guy that caught over a thousand yards in each of the last two years in major college football there at North Carolina. Um, and then I think again, you you drafted at least one starting cornerback. Um, probably in Julius Brents, who's big, he's long, he's physical, he's fast. Um, and and also, too, on Saturday, their first pick, you added some much-needed, very much-needed depth at tackle along mm-hmm. the offensive line And uh, Blake Freeland. He's not a project, right? He's ready to go in terms of being able to compete right away and maybe push a guy like Bernard Ryman. We'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. But at worst, I think the Colts right there with that pick identified their swing tackle that's really big because before the draft 
you know, we were just kind of thinking out loud, like hypothetically, if the Colts were to play a game on April 22nd or whatever, um, and if if uh, Bernard Ryman's not ready to go or can't play in that game, you know, who's who's going to play left tackle? Well, I think Freeland gives you an option there because he has played right side, he has played left side, um, he's played both at the college game and he's played at a high level, over 40 starts at tackle in the or at the college game at BYU including 26 straight starts the last two years at left tackle. So I think, again, long story short, premium players at premium positions, I think in that regard the Colts got a lot better this weekend. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, taking some time with us. Matt, take us through the lead-up and by this quantifying of time that's been lost to all of us with different mock drafts (laughs) and picks and announcements and some barbecue for those that were in Kansas City. Take us through the selection of Anthony Richardson in real time for you covering it here on these very airwaves. Uh, well, I found out I found out raw and, and organically like everybody else. I mean, maybe a handful of seconds before the pick went went off, but not by a lot. I mean, I, I mean, really, I think the Colts took this thing all the way kind of down to the wire. And I also think you know to give them credit, um, I think only a handful of people in the inner 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 circle, if you will, in the building um, knew about the pick and knew about the Colts' uh, comfort level in the pick, you know, only a handful of days before the draft. And that's a good thing, right, because you don't want stuff getting out. You don't want teams finding out uh, rumors and uh, insider information to kind of screw with your board. So I thought how the Colts handled it was just perfect. I mean, if, if in fact, you know, Jim Irsay is, is, um, is, is dead on when he says, you know, had the Colts had the number one pick in the draft, they probably still would have drafted Anthony Richardson. Well, you don't want anybody to know that because you're sitting there at four, and you don't want you don't want to have teams saying, "Well, what do the Colts know that that we don't?" Right? So, uh, I thought the way they handled it was just beautiful. Um, but yeah, we were on 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 radio, you know, doing our draft show, and like I said, maybe a handful of seconds before the pick goes out, I got privy to it. Um, but I definitely didn't know before the first round started. I can tell you that. And so from that standpoint, I'm glad I didn't know. Because, like, there's very few moments, James, maybe you can speak to this as well. Like, there's very few moments um, doing this job and, and kind of, like, being in this profession where you can still have that, like, organic, uh, you know, holy cow type of moment as a fan or as a, as a observer or a, an onlooker, right? So um, I'm glad that I, for the most part, was pretty ignorant to the pick because that made it more fun, right? That made it more uh, entertaining and, and enjoyable um, as the night went on. So it's exciting. We'll see kind of where it goes. And I know the million-dollar question now is, is um, you know, is he going to play right away? Is he going to be the starter on, Tell on us. day one? Come week? on, Matt. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think we'll, we'll, we'll eventually get there. We'll graduate to that conversation. But it's exciting because at least – Uh, On paper, the plan is for Anthony Richardson to give this team stability and some foundational success at quarterback that they haven't had since August 24th of 2019. But who's counting, right? (laughs) Wow, I remember the date and everything. So let me ask you this. I know Juju Brents is a Indy native. I don't know if you knew about him on the prep scene at Warren Central, but how cool is it just from your perspective to be able to cover a kid, I guess, similar to me, and and talk about a kid on the airwaves who grew up in this town, possibly listening to you, listening to other people, you know, talk about Bob Sanders and Peyton Manning. He was saying he wore Bob Sanders' jersey as a kid, and now he's hoping to go out there and lay some wood like Bob used to do. 
Yeah, it's a great story. Uh, funny you say that because tomorrow, uh, if I could pub up what we're doing on our podcast tomorrow this week, we're actually going to talk with Jason West, uh, his high school football coach nice. at Warren Central. Uh, he's now at Franklin Central, uh, West that is, but obviously he coached Brents uh, when he was in high school there with the Warriors. And, uh, you know, Casey Vallier and I were doing a little bit of digging. Casey dug up the fact that uh, Brents is the 11th different uh, player from Warren Central ever to uh, play in the NFL, or I guess he will be, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 11th different player from Warren to, to go to the NFL. And funny enough, six of those 11 have played with the Colts. Uh, so, so there's some history there uh, with that program in Indianapolis, right? You had Krishan Hogan and Deshaun Bond and uh, the running back Evans, Jeff George, obviously the number one pick back in the 90s. Um, so that that part of it's really, really cool. So he's a guy that I think if, if we were betting right now on the player that was drafted over the weekend that has the best chance to be a starter on day one, he's probably the guy that I would go with. I know mm-hmm. he's kind of dealing with that wrist injury. Uh, and I say that, again, we don't know what's going to happen with Richardson and where his acclimation is going to be and his progress in this offense in the offseason. But I'm just saying as of right now, you know, 40 hours after the draft, um, he's a guy that I think you should be comfortable with, at least on paper, being out there to play in the base defense on the outside. He's really physical, good in the running game. He can tackle. Um, and if he does become an opening day starter, again, he's going to do it without – playing a lot in the, uh, in the in the spring here with that wrist, but um, I know the Colts like the fact that he gutted through most of the season last year because he hurt that wrist week one and then played with it pretty much the entire season and addressed that he had surgery after the combine to, again, put his best foot forward in the pre-draft process. So I think Brent has the best shot, I think, of this rookie class to be a day one, week one starter based on his production and how the Colts kind of view him with his short area quickness. He's long, he's big, he's tall, he's physical. So from that standpoint, I think he kind of projects pretty well to this defense under Gus Bradley. Matt, the defensive tackle out of Northwestern, out of Timua Adabare, were you surprised that he was available for the Colts? A lot of different analysts were with how he fell, and whether you were surprised or not, how will he fit in with the Colts as you project out this two- to three-year development process for, for any draft pick? Yeah, I, I was, just because of how well he tested and his production in college and the combine numbers and all that. I mean, 33 games there at Northwestern. Um, you know, was a team captain. So, I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot of, you know, holes in his resume um, and, and kind of what you targeted in a player. So, from that standpoint, yeah, I was surprised that he was there in the fourth round. As it projects to the Colts, I think he's kind of like one of those tweener guys that the Colts really like. You know, Ballard loves guys that are quick enough to play defensive end, but big enough and strong enough to fight inside and play defensive tackle if need be, right? You have guys like Dio Dangbo, uh, Danico Autry back in the day, Taekwon Lewis. I think the only difference here is that, you know, if you had to, I guess, peg him uh, one way or another, he might be one of those guys that's probably more so a, an inside guy, right? A three technique that can also play outside if you need him to, whereas a Dang kind of the other way around. But, yeah, definitely a guy that's a tweener. And, um, you know, he's a senior bowl guy. So, again, just the resume just kind of screams Colt guy with traits and his testing numbers. I mean, just remarkable. The first player ever to weigh in over 280 pounds and run a sub-4-4 
four five forty yard dash. I mean, think about that. Like sub four five is like a receiver. That's like Josh Downs, and he's doing it weighing over a hundred pounds <laughs> more than some of these running backs and 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 scat back wide receivers, if you will. So just an, a freak athlete. Um, really excited for him and what he can be. Add some depth initially behind a guy like DeForest Buckner. Kind of climb his uh, snap totals down a little bit because they've, they've kind of crept up there. That's that's kind of one of the things we forget about DeForest Buckner. He doesn't miss a lot of games, but he's playing a lot and seeing a lot of double teams, and he's getting up there in age a little bit. Nothing scary, but right, you want to have him available for as long as possible. So with uh, Odabare coming in, that could potentially help and and add the the depth of the defensive line while also hopefully not seeing a drop-off in production. Matt, can you speak to the level of excitement just within the building? Obviously, we were in the media room for most of our coverage, but being someone who's employed by you know the franchise, being around the building, you know, you, JJ, what was it like to just have Anthony, I guess, come in? I know he hopped off the jet and did an did a interview with us and did his press conference and then hopped right back on. But what was it just like to just see him in person, see the excitement on his face, his family, his brother, and people yeah. around him? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the guy's just – he's huge. He's 20 years old, <laughs> and he's 6'4", 244. Um I mean, I read the other day he's going to be the first 20-year-old quarterback drafted in the first round, um, or who was the first 20-year-old quarterback drafted in round one since 1950. I mean, this just doesn't happen, but he's so put together physically, he got a perfect 10 out of 10 on the, on the RAS score, which is just unheard of, right? So it's not hyperbole to say that he is the most physically gifted and most athletic quarterback the Combine and the NFL Draft has ever seen. But he's just a really nice young man. I mean, he's uh, very, very polite. Um, he is engaging. He's thoughtful. He's very intelligent. Um, and he's also, I think, smart enough to surround himself with all the right people to help him get off to a good start in his NFL career, right? His mom's going to move up here with his brother. I think his agent is going to be close mm-hmm. by. And just kind of like his inner circle and his supporting cast, um, you know, people that are close to him are going to be – physically around him to support him next year with the Colts. So that to me was impressive. So had a had about a five to seven minute interview with him on Friday. As you said, he was going through the gauntlet, getting off the plane and meeting with Jim Irsay and Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard and meeting with the media and doing photo shoots and all that stuff. And that's the stuff we forget, like whether he likes it or not. And I, I'm sure the Colts will be very, uh, you know, selective and deliberate with this, but, you know, he's going to be the face of the franchise. And, again, the Colts will have to be smart about how, you know, to, to what degree that happens for him. But there's a lot that's on his shoulders right now. And I think between Shane Steichen and Jim Bob Cooter, the rest of the offensive coaching staff, and that inner circle, it's about getting him as comfortable uh, as possible, as quick as possible, not putting too much on his plate that he can't handle, where he can't think and react and play fast. Uh, hopefully all of those things come naturally to him, but uh, I can't imagine being a 20-year-old in his situation because that would just go awful based on how I remember myself <laughs> as a 20-year-old. He is the exact opposite of that in terms of being able to handle all this and, and be mature and, and just uh, have a really good perspective about things on how unique it is to be the fourth overall pick um, 
you know, only 20 years old in a in an offense or in a you know a team and a in a franchise that is desperate to get back to winning and getting back to the playoffs. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt. God has a nice way of uh, humbling us because He knew if I was that size. Oh, goodness gracious, I'll be insufferable. <laughs> so, but I, I, you do make a point. I want to ask you, this, not really a serious question, but he, he's already physically, he looks like, you know, a grown man, but he's only 20. So there's more, you know, growth there. There's a meal plan. There's dietitians that he'll have had access to, weight room. Like, it's a full-time job now. So um, do you think that he could be... I don't know, just just literally the best looking quarterback of all time. Because I mean, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's kind of already in that discussion. I mean, I mean, there's there's not an ounce of of anything that shouldn't be there on his body. Um, at six four two forty four, like I said, he he's running sub four fives and just like a gazelle out there. Uh, it just it, it shouldn't be possible at his you know height and weight, but. Uh, he just makes it look so easily, and the arm strength. And yeah, I think there is something to what you're saying, though. You get him in a, a more sophisticated. I mean, even though he's coming from the SEC, even though he's coming from a great program like Florida, right? He's still going to have things in the NFL level that he just didn't have because of graduating from from uh, one level to the next, mm-hmm. right? And and the 24/7 state of the art, you know, weightlifting facility, and then just again, state of the art coaches. Uh, with Shane Steichen mm-hmm. and Jim Bob Cooter and Cam Turner, so I think, I think, I, I said before the draft he was going to get better. Like, had he gone back to college next year and just played another year at Florida, he would have gotten better and maybe to some degree eradicated some of the draft issues that he had coming mm-hmm. out of college. But I think he's just going to get better playing more football. He's only played 13 games as a starter, regardless of the level. He's going to get better by just having more time on task. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the main objective this offseason for the Colts is get him a ton of reps, get him all kinds of action in the practices, joint practices if the Colts decide to go that route, preseason games, and see where he's at. Because the only way he's truly going to get better and NFL-ready is by playing. And Jim Irsay said that. Shane Steichen said that. The, the, the caveat or the question is, is, is where is he going to be week one versus where they're at with Gardner Minshew and you know how how uh, you know competitive the Colts think they can be early on if it's not Anthony Richardson at quarterback. So we still got about three months to uh, answer that question. You know, it was it was who's going to be the coach? It's who's going to be the quarterback? And now the big question is when will the quarterback, in this case Anthony Richardson, play or start? I think you'll see him in his rookie year, but I just can't tell you when. Matt, thank you so much for making the time for us. Get some rest. All right, guys. Be good. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) That's Matt Taylor, Voice the Colts.